Summer 1896. A Cameroonian man appeared in Treptower Park, Berlin as part of a human exhibition to grow enthusiasm for German colonialism. Little did anyone know that this man, Kwane Martin de Bobe, would later become a pioneering human rights activist that would challenge Germany's exploitative relationship with its colonies. Welcome to Shadows of German Colonialism. Kwane Martin de Bobe is perhaps best known in Germany for being the nation's first black train driver, which, given the technological stage we were at in the early 1900s, held a much higher status than it does today. But he was way, way, way more than that. So de Bobe was born near Douala, Cameroon in 1876, and his father held a local political office. He came to Germany in the mid-1890s to take part in the Great Exhibition of Berlin. This fair aimed to show that Germany was a land of boundless opportunity. On display were also ethnological expositions of everyday life in the colonies. Today, we would call this a human zoo. De Bobe was just one of over 100 Africans who arrived in Berlin, some taken by force, others lured by promises of pay. They came from German territories in Namibia, Togo, Tanzania and Cameroon, over Herero, Nama, Maasai, all plucked from the continent for show. De Bobe was only known as number 76. But he was educated at a mission in Cameroon, could read and write German and was nothing like the primitive native the German colonial exhibit presented in artificial villages. None of them were. Still, around 7 million Germans flocked to the exhibit over six months to see him and his fellows as they were forced to act out an imagined life, cooking, dancing, hunting in a fake African village. Berlin-based historian Katharina Ogontoya says that this was part of a concerted pro-colonial propaganda effort. There were clubs and state-sanctioned organizations like the German Colonial Society that pushed out a lot of pro-colonial propaganda. They wanted to get this idea across to ordinary Germans that we'd need colonies. Unlike today, people did not know much about the world beyond Europe. So they first had to be sold on an idea that colonialism was something great for it to become part of a national consciousness. The exhibition was just one aspect. The civilizing mission, racism and scientific racism featured in convincing Germans that it had a right to colonize African subjects. De Bobe and many others were forced to undergo humiliating body examinations carried out by students of Germany's fledgling race science, all with the aim of proving the since-discredited pseudoscience of eugenics. Despite the dehumanization, De Bobe chose to stay in Berlin. It's not exactly clear what happened during this time, but we know De Bobe got an apprenticeship in the German capital as a craftsman. And according to Ogun Toya, this wasn't that unusual. The people first reacted with curiosity towards the Africans, as if these are interesting people from another culture, especially in Berlin, but also in other big German cities. They were accepted at first. Of course, there are cases of attacks on Africans, but there were also many, many people who accepted them as normal people, which is how most of them founded families here. They got married and lived here with their wives and children. 
mit ihren Frauen und ihren Kindern hier gelebt. Still, when de Bobe wanted to marry his landlord's daughter, the city and colonial authorities did not sanction the marriage until a missionary in Cameroon confirmed de Bobe's identity. By 1902, de Bobe became a train driver for Berlin's fledgling metro. The racist undertones of Germany at the time, together with genuine curiosity, made de Bobe something of a celebrity. He later wrote, Through diligence and impeccable conduct, I gained a position of trust. Oguntoya says the first Africans in Germany were far from passive victims of colonialism. They were engaged in their communities. That Africans were discriminated against, that's really only half the truth. Because, of course, there was discrimination, but there was also freedom of movement and people could access job training. De Bobe's reputation and status as a model colonial subject in inverted commas grew. Colonial authorities sent him back to Cameroon in 1907, to consult on the construction of a railway line. After all, who better? Gilbert Ngimdo, a Cameroonian historian, says this aspect of German colonialism is still a cause for what he terms nostalgia. In the minds of Cameroonians, it has a mixed feeling. Because of the huge developments the Germans carried out, German infrastructure remains there. Towns like Boya, which from 1886 to 1909 served as the German colonial capital in Cameroon, most of the structures, government buildings there, the governor's slush, the slush in Boya, the prime minister's office, the Bismarck's fountain, the post office, and so many other things were constructed by the Germans. No matter the, uh, the fact that after the First World War, uh, Britain and France partitioned the territory and the Britain took that part of the territory, governed it across the mandate from 1922 uh, to the trusteeship 1946 and to 1961 when independence was granted a period, a very long period, uh, the British never uh, put up structures that were conspicuous, that were long-lasting, and that could change the face of the economy and the shape of the town. The treatment of Cameroonians was, however, nothing to be admired. Kwane Martin de Bobe was shocked at the brutal conditions of forced labor Cameroonians faced. Beatings, expropriation and racism fell on the local people to the benefit of German companies. But living and working in Berlin had exposed de Bobe to socialist ideas around workers' rights, specifically the socialists' anti-imperialist stance, which hardly endorsed Germany's subjugation of people in the colonies. Back in Germany, de Bobe participated in worker strikes, supported the Social Democrats, and was active in the League for Human Rights organization, which formed in 1914. One unforeseen consequence of German imperialism, at least for colonial authorities, was that African people came to German shores, and particularly in cosmopolitan areas like Hamburg, Bremen and Berlin. Their visibility increased as trade and labor exchanges between Africa and Germany became routine. But, as Ngimdo points out, this did not make them Germans. Since the Germans did not recognize, did not want to recognize Africans, uh, German or Afro-Germans as Germans, even when they could speak the language fluently, they could be able to associate well, but then they were hardly considered as full-fledged Germans. So it is difficult for Cameroonians to actually picture out Martin de Bobe and give him and uh, attached to him the magnitude he deserves. De Bobe and many others who remained in Germany were in citizenship no man's land. From a German perspective, 
They really wanted their so-called colonial subjects to stay in their homelands. That's Marianne Gerst-Bechhaus, associate professor of the University of Cologne. There had to be clear separation between the people who live in Germany, between white Germans and the people in the colonies. There are also sources that say it was feared that when people from the colonies came to Germany, they would realize not everything is so great there either, that there is poverty, alcoholism, and all kinds of things, and they wanted to prevent this. But there were Africans living in Germany. And in 1919, on behalf of Africans living in German colonies, De Bobe and 17 others petitioned the government for representation, equal rights and an end to forced labor. The petition listed 32 points. Interestingly, De Bobe's petition pledged allegiance to the German Weimar Republic and imagined a future within the German realm. After all, the signatories had made their lives in Germany and believed that Germany should apply its own high standards of law and order in the colonies. We hear the original voice of Africans themselves, which is totally exciting. The Africans themselves did not believe their grievances would not be taken seriously. Petitions were frequently used as a way of conducting politics. One could even call it political movement through petitions, but no answer came from the German government. The Africans were not taken seriously, which was not immediately clear to the petitioners. They could not have reckoned with the absolute racist attitudes that essentially stripped them of all sorts of rights. By then, Germany had ceded its colonies to other European nations in accordance with the Treaty of Versailles, and the petition's demands remained unfulfilled. Increasingly seen by German authorities as a troublemaker, de Bobe lost his railway job. He attempted to return to Cameroon in 1922, but the French colonial rulers refused him entry because they believed he would cause unrest. Instead, the 45-year-old de Bobe headed for Liberia, and then all trace of him is lost. It's assumed he died there. De Bobe's petition, over 100 years on, is now regarded as one of the most important political documents of African migrants in the first half of the 20th century. The man himself is recognized as an icon of early anti-colonial activism and a fighter for human rights. Shadows of German Colonialism was brought to you by DW with support from the German Federal Foreign Office. I'm Kai Nebe.